Well, good morning, Destiny Church. How are you today? Look at your neighbor and say good morning. If you haven't noticed, I am not Pastor Gene, and this is not Pastor Mel. <laughs> we, are, uh, we are honored that uh, Pastor Gene and Pastor Mel asked for Jen and I to fill in while they were out of town this weekend. We want to thank them. Um, they are um, amazing shepherds in our lives, and I know all of yours. Um, they do a lot out front, but there's so much behind the scenes. And so we want to thank them for all the work that they do. So we want to also tell you thank you for being here today. Um, we appreciate it. We will start off by saying um, God's good <laughs> all the time, right? Uh, and so what you'll hear from us today is you'll hear a, a few things. You will hear um, how God has used two very imperfect people um, to learn some things that is perfect truth um, in order to just share those things um, with where you guys are at. So as you know, uh, we've been talking about Wisdom for Dummies. Pastor Gene's been talking about this series about Wisdom for Dummies. And he has asked us to teach a little bit this morning or to talk a little bit on uh, wisdom in our relationships. This is very near and dear to our heart. Um, God actually called us to um, be very transparent. And we've started um, just kind of recording and publishing on our Facebook page something called Coffee Talk Time with Joe and Jen. And sometimes, I'll be honest, there's not coffee in my cup. It's empty. Okay, I'm sorry. As he shakes it around. <laughs> Either way. Um, that will but, never happen again, though. <laughs> but we are so um, blessed uh, in our relationship. Just, there's been some things that we've walked through that we just want to be um, open and honest about what works for us. Um, relationships are hard. Oh, my word, yes. Right? Everybody said Amen. And, um, and so we, we may touch a lot on the marriage relationship just because Jen and I are married. Um, but everything that we talk about today is not just about your marriage relationship. So if you're not married, you're going to get something from this too. And that's because these relationships are everywhere. Uh, odds are the person you're sitting next to, you have some kind of a relationship with, right? Whether they're your friend, your spouse, your family member, uh, maybe it's a coworker. You know, you never know. It just could be anybody. So remember, you're going home with them, so don't nudge them too hard. Yeah, right. Uh, don't be like, "Hey, he's, he's talking to you," or "Hey, she's talking to you." Um, we'll also preface this by this: Jen and I are—we didn't go to school to be marriage counselors or relationship gurus or anything like that. So by far, we are not what you would consider. Uh, we've not made it. We're not there. Uh, relationships are still hard, even, what, 17 years, right? Yeah, 17 Seven, years? there's a journey of learning that we're still doing. It is a journey of learning. I yeah. like that. Can we, we're gonna, we'll, let's coin that. Put that on the Instagram page, a journey of learning. Um, so we're going to talk about wisdom in your relationships today. And so we said, you know, you have relationships with your family, relationships with your friends, uh, spouse relationships, Work coworkers. Relationships, yes, yeah. coworkers are tough. Um, so what we want to do with you to, to this morning is, we just want to share some things that have helped us uh, and, and the hopes that it's going to help you, okay? Um, we'll start off by saying this. Uh, this scripture kind of jumped out at us this morning um, and, er, when we were preparing for this. And it's basically, it's James chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault. And it'll be given to you. I think it's awesome because I believe that um, the Apostle Paul was letting us know that wisdom is not something you're born with. It's not going to be something that you can just roll over one day and say, I think I'm going to be wise today. Or that you don't have. 
Like, I don't have that talent. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. No, it's something that you can actually obtain. Okay, and it's actually something that you're going to have to ask for. It's something you're going to have to seek for. Um, and the interesting part of it is, is it kind of lays it out there. So here's, here's funny. Here's funny. Um, there is a common denominator in all of your relationships. Okay. We are not going to make you do math. You don't need to worry about cross-multiplying fractions. We're not playing that game this morning. But there is a common denominator. There's something in every one of your relationships that is the same in every one of your relationships. And that is you, <laughs> right? So every relationship that I have, whether it be with my wife, with my coworkers, with my friends, I am a common denominator in all of my relationships. All of my relationships, I'm the only person, I'm the one person that's in all of those. So something something we tell our kids all the time is you may not be able to control your situation, but you can control how you act, right, and how you respond to it. So that's kind of what we're teaching on a little bit this morning about using our ability to control the thing that we can control, and that is ourself. So... Before we can move forward into learning about relational wisdom with everybody around us, we kind of have to back it up a little bit. So everybody put your proverbial moving trucks into reverse, and everybody make the beep, beep sound. Ready? Here we go. Beep, beep, beep. We're going to back it up a little bit because in order for us to know where we're going, we kind of have to know where we've been. Mm -hmm. That's that's from a movie. Sorry. Know yourself. Before you can know others, so that there's that, that one thing in all of your relationships you know really well. So let's talk a little bit about me. <laughs> Sorry, this is perfect. Um, what we're going to do this morning, we're going to share a little bit about us, about who Jen and I are. Uh, by the way, I'm Joe, that's Jen. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, we're going to share a little bit about who we are and kind of some of the stuff that we went through, and it's going to get real, um, but God's cool in it. So just Hang with us. Gotcha. So I had a problem with being selfish. Anybody ever been selfish before? Okay. And, you know, it's funny because I actually just said it in the past tense, but the Holy Spirit corrected me. And he said, no, you still have a problem with it, Joe. So the issue is this. I, I can be a very selfish person. I'm waiting to hear the amen from the side over here. I can, I can really be a very selfish person. I can, I can be that kind of person that just wants it my way. And what God was telling me, in fact, we have this saying around our house. Um, I've coined a phrase. <laughs> Not only does it alleviate a little bit of the pressure sometimes, but it also, um, it's just comical. Because when we can add comedy to our relationships, it's so much more bearable. So I call him No Joe. No Joe. And, and what's funny is she can say that, and it's like the light bulb goes off. I'm like, oh, snap, you got me. All right, I can fix that. Let me fix that. Let me go back. Let's try that again. So it's been really cool, but I have this no-jo thing. So what God was showing me in, in a couple years back, actually it's been multiple years ago that we first started, him, he and I first started talking about this, was the fact that it's all about control for me. It was about the fact that I needed to be in charge. I needed to be... The, the guy who, uh, you know, had to, you know, people say they're control freaks. No, no, no. I am a control enthusiast. I, that just feels better. It makes me feel better about that. Because, honestly, I, I might have a little bit of obsessive-compulsive stuff. Um, 
some of you probably do too, and that's okay. We can unite and clean the world together. But the, the honest, the, the problem is, is the thing of it was, is I, I, it was all about control for me. I needed to be in control. So um, if you want to watch when we leave today, guess who's going to be in the driver's seat of the car? It's going to be me. Not because she's a horrible driver, because she's not a horrible driver, but because when I'm in the car, I cannot be in the passenger seat. It, there's something, it's like stroking the kitty cat backwards, you know? It's like, it just, ah, it grates on me, because I know where the blind spots are. I know how to look in the mirror every three seconds. I know what the speed limit is. I don't know if she knows those things. I, I, I'm hoping she knows those things, but it's because it's a loss of control. I was having such a horrible time with it. So the downside was is this whole control thing, it wasn't just to Jen. Um, in fact, there was a situation with my boss, uh, which thankfully, I don't know how I still have this job, uh, but a, a few years ago, he's like, hey, Joe, I need you to do this and this and this, and I was like, no, and I walked away. And, and that evening, I, we were just kind of going through our day, and I said, hey, how was your day? He go, and he goes, oh, he wanted me to try this, and I said, oh, yeah, how'd that go? He goes, oh, no, I just told him no. What? She's like, you told your boss no? And I'm like, yeah, what's up with that? You know, because at the time, I was like, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, Jesus very quickly and very said, hey, there's something wrong with this. So a couple of years ago, we, Jen and I were kind of like in this transitional phase in our ministries. Things were just, you know, we were like, okay, God, what do you have for us next? So I started doing a lot of praying and a lot of seeking on my calling, what God had called me to do. Like, God, what is it you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Send me, I'll do it, yeah, that kind of thing. And so I just kind of got on the whole Google thing. I was like, you know, what is God's calling for my life? You know, that kind of thing. And this scripture popped up. And the funny thing about this scripture is I've read the scripture like hundreds of times. But for some reason that morning, my heart was in the right spot and God's ear was right there, or his, his mouth was right there in my ear saying, listen up, bro, I, this is for you. And so I read it, and it said, this is Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 2, and it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. And so the first time I read it, I was kind of like, ah, that's pretty good. I remember that one. But then he's like, no, 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 slow down and read it again. And I said, okay. So I slowed down, and I read it again. And here's the first, like, oh, Jesus kind of did the whole one-two punch, you know. And the first punch it caught me off guard, but it was the word humble. So like in the second part of that verse, it says, be completely humble and gentle. And he goes, yo, Joe, you ain't been all that humble. And I'm like, ah, oh, snap. So at that moment, there was kind of this, like, uh, if you could imagine, like, the sounds of uh, rubber and brakes squealing, and you know, the, the car coming to a halt. So I felt at that moment that my little trek that I was, you know, on to be with Jesus, you know, that kind of thing, it came to a complete halt because God said, look, you've got some stuff that you got to get taken care of before you go to the next thing, before you move on. So he said, you, you're not being very humble. When you are sitting here and you're basically telling Jen no, for example, one of the, oh, I forgot about this. You should have reminded me. You're good at that. Um, I'm kidding. I play it. I love you. You're my friend. Uh, so, we, there was one time she, she came home, and she's like, hey, I want to move the furniture around. I spent all day drawing the picture. Okay, it's not great. It was definitely not the scale, but all day thinking, because I like change. I think God, like, mm -mm. had a sense of humor when he put us together, because <laughs> I love when things change. It's so challenging. So I wanted to change the living room. And I don't like change, as you can plainly tell. I mean, I'm still, you know, rocking stuff from the 80s. 
Um, but it's just, now it's cool now. So I'm like, yeah, I never got rid of it. It'll it just, just keep coming back around. So, so literally she came home. She's like, hey, I want to move the furniture around the living room. And I said, ha, 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 no. And I walked off. And she goes, literally, it was like that moment in your relationship where she goes, oh, no, you didn't. You know what I'm saying? So I can follow you. <laughs> so she follows me into the bedroom. And she's like, okay, we need to have a conversation. And I'm like, what? And she goes, why can't I move the furniture around? And that was the first time that I was speechless. Because I really had no, I, I mean, I, there was no reason. It wasn't like, oh, it was because the such and such is over the vent. We can't move that and blah, blah, blah. No, it was just because I didn't want to move it. And so I sat there for a good five minutes going, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to think of an excuse. And she goes, you, you, you just, you pulled out your no-jo. And I'm like, oh, I did it again. I and said, so, okay, let's go move it now. So we did. We moved it. And, in, in, and honestly, I've had to come to the place where I'm like, hey, it's our living room, not my living room. It's okay. We're learning. We're learning, right? So for me, it was like, like I said, it was all about I was, I, was, I was being selfish. And God said, listen, you need to be humble. And then he came back. He's like, I need you to read it one more time. So I read it a third time. And the third time I read it, this word jumped out, and that was the word prisoner. And it was kind of like, why did that jump out to me? And, and he whispered to me, he's like, Joe, this whole selfish thing that you're dealing with right now, this whole thing that you're, you're the whole no Joe thing, it's just because you want to be in control. But how much control does a real prisoner have? And I was like, oh, you got me again. All right, thanks, Lord. All right, we're two punches. Let's go. I'm knocked out for the count. So what happened was here I am kind of arguing with God, not arguing, but just wrestling with God saying, man, I'm blowing it. I mean, I, I thought I was doing really good. We were working at the church. I had a ministry job. I had people that was underneath me that were following. I thought I was all that in a sack of taters. And he's like, Joe, you've got this all wrong. You're no way being the prisoner of God that I am trying to make you be. And, I, and that, was when, that was when I realized, okay, I, <laughs> I got to fix some things. And so around that same time, because... It, you know, of course, being a selfish person, everything comes about, you know, has to come back around by me. I realized that Jen was also dealing with some stuff, so it made me feel better about myself. I was like, hey, you're dealing with stuff, too. So you want to tell them what you were kind of dealing with? So uh, we've, been to get, we've been married 17 years, but we were, to, we were high school sweethearts. So we, uh, we were together four years before we got married. And when we got married, we, uh, you know, no big deal. Get married. Go on your honeymoon. Come back. Move down so that he can go to Bible college, and I'll go to co I can go to college at Southern. And um, so we used to live in St. Louis. Then we moved down here, and became learn. We're learning how to be husband and wife together while learning life and all the other adulting responsibilities, bills and housing and all those things. Um, and we didn't. We had no family and friends down here. Eventually, we would. We had a church body and um, friends. But it became very apparent when we were together, it was just us, that I needed a constant flow of approval from him. Now that we're in a relationship, um, it was tell me that I'm beautiful. Tell me that I'm enough. Uh, and, and you can't expect another human to constantly keep that going. But don't worry, I did try. Um, and, and I was pretty good, right? I mean, you, I have to uh -huh, say, I've got to pat myself on the back. I tried as hard as I could, but uh, yeah, but yeah. it's not; it's too much. Um, and then as we began to make friends, I was expecting them to tell me I'm fun. You want to hang out with me um, at work? Um, tell me I'm talented. 
Oh, don't, don't tell me anything about that. It was a constant need for positive. Or you could say approval, validation. Everybody around me, I wanted them to edify me. Um, and that, that started showing up in, in our lives um, and in my uh, walk with God. So I realized uh, quickly as God was uh, revealing that my value, that base of, of belief of who you are, did not, was not in God. It did not come from him or the word. It came from everything external. Uh, it led to, I, I couldn't handle mistakes. I made them a lot, even in our marriage. Not too many. Oh, um, but Bonus I points. made them and I could not, I could not own them. Uh, he gave a lot of grace in that to me, but um, it's because I, I chronically needed it to be perfect. I'm either going to not make mistakes because, again, my value is all out here. So that's, it's not rooted firmly in God. Uh, so when I made mistakes, I didn't know what did that mean I am. Um, my flaws, my failures, my spots, as they were showing I didn't know where to go with that because I didn't have that voice. I wasn't letting God whisper to me who I was. Um, so chronic perfectionism, and that's a hard um, level to, uh, to continue. Uh, eventually it breaks down. And love, good thing that God is gracious and loving, and he will meet us at those moments. And so one day he just uh, dropped this verse in my, in my heart. John 15, 5, I am the vine. And just like Joe said that he went, he was like a punch. That's, God just broke me. I will, I'll go on, but vine. God, oh, you aren't my vine. So it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I was facing this moment of God in my life. We didn't have kids at that point, but in, in, my, in, our, in our children and in our marriage and our friendships, I won't be able to do, I'll, I'll be able to do nothing. Because the fruit I was bearing had nothing to do with God as the vine. Um, it, it was never, God wasn't saying to me constantly, I wasn't letting him say, you are enough. Um, so God just continued to work that, work that through, and um, as time went by, he would just, the best part, and my, one of my most favorite things about God, and sometimes we have to be reminded, he's so gracious, but he's also so patient. He's, he's waiting. He's calling you, and he's drawing you in until the point where I could admit, God, I I, I've got to do some work in my life. I am flawed. God, I need to let you tell me who I am. Um, I need you to sustain me. One of the things that we both kind of realized was that um, both of our issues were things that at one point in time we had a grasp on. I mean, I would probably say that, especially that first time that we said, Jesus, come into my heart. It was easy for us to believe that he, that I can be a servant of God, that I can be his prisoner. And it was probably easy for Jen to say, 
yes, Lord, whatever you want for me. But we started to realize that as life kind of continued and as things kind of got different and you start adding like the stress of work and the stress of, of other relationships, your, your marriage relationship, your friend relationships, your, your coworkers and things like that. What was happening is the enemy was kind of placing these little lies in our lives and, and allowing us to kind of lean more towards uh, the external edification of ourselves and not the, the godly edification of ourselves. So we would get to the place where, you know, just like Jen said, that she would be more worried about what the people in her circle thought about her. And I became less worried about the people <laughs> around me. I was like, I don't care what you think. Um, and, and what was happening is God was kind of, um, kind of knocking at our door and quietly and then a little louder and a little louder saying, listen, you're getting further and further and further from the truth. And so we realized that it all kind of stemmed from this, this foundational truth that we had kind of lost in our relationship. It didn't make us non-Christians anymore. It was just we were having a really hard time bearing any kind of good, healthy fruit because we had this weird stuff in our foundation, in our root system. And we, we both grew up in church. Um, my, my parents were children's pastors. Um, and so you get kind of... Uh, you get this belief that ah, I'm good, God and I were like that, I know about Jesus. And so it's so interesting. You said you have a drug problem. Yeah, right? I had a drug problem when I was growing up. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. So it was like I didn't have a choice to go one way or the other. But it was, it was interesting because even though we kind of grew up in that same culture of, of, of Jesus and church, um, we still struggled with knowing who God was to us. Um, in fact, I remember it was probably, man, I was, I was in the middle of my freshman or sophomore year of college when I really was like, I think this Jesus thing is important, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, maybe I really need to make it a little bit more about my relationship with him and not just going to church or playing guitar, singing or whatever. It was like, man, I really need to change a little bit. And I thought it was interesting because even though we both had these cracks in our foundations, the best part about it was God was extremely gracious in that moment. And, it, and, and we kind of had to have some grace with one another, too, because we knew we were growing at that. And so... But we were still serving the moment we came down here we found a church. Uh, we had been serving in our youth group back at, in St. Louis, and so that was really strong in our hearts. So we moved right into um, ministering together. So it was so interesting. We were working all of this out um, and trying to bear good fruit, even though um, even in the midst of serving uh, someplace and growing friendships and growing together. So those cracks were really starting to show. As we were preparing for this message, God kind of revealed this image to Jen, and uh, she told me about it. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I really like that idea. So would you explain that just a little bit? Yeah, um, uh, you can go ahead and bring that up. So God speaks to me in visuals, but I, like I said earlier, I'm not an artist. Um, so God laid these two trees on my heart, and I kind of scribbled them down, and it's a hilarious picture. But I want to give credit to um, Nick Witten, our band director. Uh, he and I worked together, and so I went to him and I said, hey, it's a little-known talent, but you are an amazing artist. Can you draw this for me? Um, and he brought it to life, what God was trying to show me um, in these pictures. Um, God just said, Jen, when you were 
working that out. And even as I was learning, or I was trying to get your attention, I was trying to get you to understand, I was pursuing you. Uh, this is what your life looked like, this tree. It, if you notice, it's very surface. Uh, the root system is not very deep, and it's not bearing fruit. Um, but God said, I want your life to look like the other one. But you're going to have to be brave and trust me and have confidence in me to let me do the work I need to do. Um, I, you, can, you know that when God starts calling you and asking you to let him show you the things that are hard to see and they're hard to, to feel, um, we have to trust him to know that that's what our life looks like and he wants to make it better. So when we talk about relational wisdom or, or wisdom in our relationships, we, we had to get to a place where we had to back it up a little bit and understand that all wisdom comes from God. So that means that even when we do what we do on a daily basis, if God is not the center of it, then we're really just kind of like floating around. In fact, uh, one of the visuals she got was the vine, you know, if, if, the, if the branch is not attached to the vine, you're kind of just flopping around in the wind kind of thing. And so we realized that we needed to kind of get back to where God was the center of our focus, where our relationship with him had to be more important and then even our relationship with each other, um, it had to get to the point where, you know, if I needed to choose my relationship with God over some of my friends, I had to make that choice. I had to get to a place where, okay, God, you know what's best for me. Do I need to go to this place? When otherwise, before I said, yes, let's go. We're doing it, whatever. And so it, I really had to change that a little bit, too. So <clears throat> read the scripture, would you please? So the second tree, the healthy tree, God just said, okay, now here's the scripture that I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you that if you follow this, then this is the tree that you bear. So Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And we are going to face trials. We are going to be tested. But we want to be able to withstand that and bear fruit. Because let me expound upon that. We, this is one single healthy tree. But think about that if that was our life when all of us, what would our culture look like? What would our world look like? But God says, I got to take that down to the root and do some work on your foundation so that you can bear fruit like that, so that you can be healthy, but your confidence and your trust need to be in me. I find it interesting because I do have a, um, a natural bend towards the selfishness. So I've always kind of just thought, um, yeah, God wants me to do this and do this so I can be happy. And he, he's since said, well, you're not always going to be happy. I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. But the real true reason, it's not so that we can be happy. We, we, we can experience joy. We can have happiness and all that kind of stuff. But the true reason why he wants us to actually bear fruit is so that when people see our fruit, 
it's a witnessing tool. It is a, an opportunity for you to share what God has done in their life. So then they can honestly have a much better relationship with their friends, with their family, with their spouse, because they see the fruit that comes out. They see what you're producing. If I showed you what our life was like behind the masks that we might have put on at church, you would have been like, uh-uh, I ain't never getting married. <laughs> they're, they're, they're always at each other's throat, fighting, whatever. So when, that's when we decided we had to do something different. And so... It was actually funny. I'll tell you a story. So um, we, when we were ministering together, um, we had some college friends of ours that would come with us on every Sunday morning. And it was so funny to see um, they... We, would load them up in the back of our Taurus, and we would go to church. And, of course, we're still working our relationship out. Even now, we're still working our relationship out. But we were working it out a little louder. We, uh, had, we never fought. We just had loud conversations. And, uh, and we would usually have them in the car on church on Sunday morning. Because how many know anytime the devil's going to do something, it's Sunday morning on your way to church. Um, we actually, we were, I was the worship pastor at that church and we, you know, we would be at each other's throats and just yelling at each other. And then the poor kids in the backseat were just kind of like sitting back like that. We'd open the door, we'd get to church and we'd be like, oh, bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Let's worship Jesus this morning. You know, and it was just, it was funny looking back, but goodness, we've got one that we know he's married. Everything's good. But there's another one that I think we scarred him for life. Um, He's, what, 37 living? for him. He's 37, Lord, still him. living at home in his mom's basement. Remove so those I, things from I, him. I don't know. I don't know. So either way, there's some takeaways that we want. If, if you didn't hear anything that we said today, which that's cool. I, what we'd really like for you to take away this morning is, are these three things. And that's this. Number one, relational wisdom is, is not going to come naturally. It's not something that you're just going to roll over one day and say, I'm going to be a better, wise husband. And I then, am poof. an expert best friend. Right. It, it doesn't work that way. I wish. It'd be awesome. But it doesn't work that way. It's something that you are going to have to work on. And then the, the thing of it is, too, it's something that you will continually work on. It's not going to be something that you're just going to achieve someday. Uh, when we get to heaven, he'll say, hey, you're a great relational person right now. Uh, so that's kind of how that works. But it also kind of gives us permission because we're really hard on ourselves. We want to be perfect. We want to get it right. Um, but when you say relational wisdom does not come naturally, then when the marriage relationship or a friendship or a work relationship isn't feeling good, it's, it, it's awkward or it's tense, you can give yourself permission. Right. Relational wisdom is, is hard. And so then you can kind of give yourself permission to grow in that. Like I said, journey of learning. So it doesn't come naturally. You got to ask, and then you got to be willing to like listen because you, you, you're going to want to hear what, uh, what he says. I was fortunate enough to have someone in my life who called me on my stuff. Um, not only was it Jen, um, but I also had pastors and I had friends. Um, one quick story. There was an opportunity. Uh, sorry. There was this. Uh, it's funny when you think about it. Um, you'll laugh too. Trust me. So we were we were fresh married. You know, one to, uh, one year, two years into it, and we were having this argument about something. And she was telling me, "No, you can't do it this way. No, that's not the right way. It's not the right way." And I'm like, "You don't know nothing." Uh, blah 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 blah. So then I just happened to go to one of my friends, and he's like, "You know, your wife's right." And I'll go. Yeah, she is. Well, he didn't know. Is <laughs> I, I pulled him aside, his, his best like, friend, and I said, hey, can you tell him this, this, and this? <laughs> so you have to be willing to hear what God says. So when he has those moments with you when you're reading, 
and you're in your quiet time, you've got to be willing to hear that. Uh, like we said, the second thing is, is you have to grow in relational wisdom. It's a continual process. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to wake up one morning and say everything is going to be great. It's going to be something that you are going to have to work on. And the best part about it is, like Chin said, um, you don't have to get it right the first time because it is a continual process. When you fail, because you will, when you fail, that's when, we, when God teaches us grace. That's when he teaches us mercy. That's when he teaches us how to give grace and how to receive grace and mercy. If nothing else, give as much. We tell this to our kids all the time. Give as much grace as you want given to yourself. Then that might help in those relationships. Our last takeaway, we have to know who we are in God. It's that being brave enough trusting and having confidence in God to let him say who you are, who you're not right now, but who you could be. And then when he takes you through that work and it will be continual, but then he can use you in other relationships. When we know ourselves and we check ourselves, then we can produce fruit in our lives and in others' lives. And if you ever want a reason to do this work, think of your kids. Right. Think of your family. Think of your friends. We owe it to ourselves, but we owe it to everyone around us to let God do that work in us. So if you go back to Jeremiah 17, 7, and if you haven't written the whole scripture down, that's cool too. But if, if you would, just do me a favor and write at least the call number. Write so you can go back and read this this week. Because here's what we've learned, okay? If you look at it, it says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So it starts with us. We've got to trust in God. It starts with us making the first choice to say, God, I need some wisdom. I'm putting my trust in you. And then it says there'll be like a tree planted in the water. And you and I all know, we all know that you don't just throw a seed in the ground and the tree pops right up. It takes time for that tree to grow. It takes time for that tree to get some roots. And it takes time for that tree to get somewhere where it needs to go. And the reason why is because at the end of the scripture, it says it'll never fail. It'll never fail to bear fruit. Even though the storms may come, even though the drought will come, it will never fail to bear fruit. And that is our goal. Our goal is to bear fruit so that when people see our relationships, whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with our coworkers, or whether it's with our neighbor next door, that there's something so different that they're like, man, I need to understand what is different about that. Because I'll be honest with you guys, your fruit is different than my fruit. And so when people see different fruit, especially when it looks good, it's such an awesome opportunity we can have to share the gospel with one another. And as our, as our culture continues in the way that it is, it's going. Think about if nothing speaks, if you never get the opportunity to speak into someone's life, will they see your fruit if you never utter a word? Because at the end of the when people are having to choose, God, let them see you in me, but let my fruit speak for itself. So can we just stand with us?
And if you would be so, if you just follow me in this, just stretch your hands out. Palms up to God. And here's what I'm gonna ask. As Joe leads us in build my life, take a second and let God, with our hands, surrender to Him show you, speak to you, edify you. Let him begin that work. He's going to continue it. It's going to go beyond this day, this moment, but give him permission to pursue you, permission to reach you, permission to grapple and reveal to you all he wants to.